Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Janice Tanup. Today is Sunday, June 25th. We're excited to have you guys tuned in with us tonight. Um, we have an exciting show planned, and tonight's guest is someone that we've known for a long time, somebody that we've looked up to and admired, and we're just excited to uh, have her on with us tonight. So I'm going to turn it over to Denise, um, and she's going to share any beauty news that she may have. Good evening, everyone, and again, welcome to the show. Um, I didn't uh, read my beauty news before now, so just bear with me, <laughs> and uh, we'll try to get through this. Um, join Michael DeVellis and the Powder Group for Making Up with Carl Ray on Monday, August 6, um, 2018. Again, it's August 6, 2018, with Carl Ray in Chicago. Completely focused on creating strong beauty makeup, this very special event with Carl Ray will help participants understand and develop the techniques that will help them uh, get more and better jobs in the wide-ranging areas of beauty makeup. Whether whether your focus is bridal or advertising, film or editorial, clean beauty makeup is at the core of every part of our industry. Best known for his work as Michelle Obama's personal makeup artist during her time in the White House, and still to this day, Carl will speak to his work artistically and logistically, with one of the most, fam- the most famous and important women in the world. Carl will demonstrate his take on beauty makeup, talk favorite products, and share the tips and techniques that got him arguably, arguably the coolest job on the planet. After the morning seminar, the program will continue on to a hands-on workshop for those taking part in the full-day program, where attendees will design and apply their own look under the direction of Carl Ray and the Powder Group founder, Michael DeVellis. Participants can choose to be a part of only the seminar portion of the program or the full-day hands-on workshop. So uh, as of now, the schedule is Chicago, Monday, August 6th. Uh, The seminar takes place from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. And if you're doing the full-day workshop, it's 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. The location is Makeup First, which is 100 North LaSalle Street in Chicago, Illinois. The rate, uh, your deposit of $100 for the seminar only. If you are a Powder Group Pro member, uh, to register, it's only $90. If you're a non-member, it's $120. For the full-day workshop, if you are a Powder Group member, it's $320 to register. And for non-members, $420 to register. But keep in mind, your deposit is $100. For any questions or for more information on this class, you can uh, contact Kelly 
at the Powder Group. She's Kelly at the Powder Group dot com. And that's all I have. All right, and we'll be right back right after this. Beauty Talk Radio, hosted by your favorite twin celebrity makeup artist, Denise and Denise Tunnell, is celebrating 10 years, and we simply want to say thank you to all of our guests, our sponsors, and supporters who have taken the journey with us. Because of your support, we've been able to bring you conversations, beauty and skincare tips from the industry's finest, and so many more. Sam Fine, Australian makeup artist Ray Morris, James Vincent, V. Neal, Nigeria's own Lola Maja, Kevin James Bennett, Rocky Cosetti, Marietta Carter Narcisse, Tim Bucharin, Mickey Taylor, formerly of Essence Magazine, A.J. Crimson, Michael DeVellis, Suzanne Patterson, Larry Sims, Denisa Myricks, Melissa Street, Michael Key of Makeup Artist Magazine, Camille Friend Rochard, Naja Riquette, Bernadette Thompson, and so many more. We're celebrating 10 years, and we're so excited about what's to come for Beauty Talk Radio. Millions listen live and via iTunes downloads from around the world. So we have to say thank you to our listeners in the U.S., of course, the U.K., Australia, Ghana, Russia, South Africa, Uganda. Brazil, South Korea, Ireland, Canada, Sweden, the Bahamas, and so many other parts of the world. Are you following us on social media? We're on Instagram at beauty underscore talk underscore media. We're also on Twitter at beauty underscore talk. And we can't forget about Facebook, beauty talk online. We're celebrating 10 years. We're excited about where we're going, and we know you are too. All right. I'm excited to introduce um, our audience to our guest tonight, so we're just going to just jump right in. Um, welcome to the show, Lisa Parker. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. We're so glad you could join us. Now, Lisa, we've known you for a long time. Um, but a very long time. Our listeners? <laughs> yes, a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> We've all grown old together. <laughs> yes, we have. <laughs> um, it's so funny because when you're younger, you know, it's you know, you seem like you were so much older than us. And I think it's probably because you're married and had children, you know, have children. But then right. now that we've all gotten older, we look and it's like you're probably not that much older than we are. <laughs> you you might be surprised. I, I just had a birthday. The right. question to all of this is we're, we're still getting older. So it, it, as long as we keep yeah. getting older, we're going to be okay. Because when we stop getting that's older, right. then, then that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, Lisa, just introduce yourself to our listening audience and just um, – Tell us a little bit about when you became a hairstylist, um, what inspired you, how it all came about, and how long you've been a hairstylist. Ooh, okay. That, let, let me start with that last part. So I have been in the <laughs> beauty industry almost 40 years. And when I say that now, I'm like, wow, that, that really tells how old I am. Like, or, or that you know I've been around at least 40 years. But, um, you know, right. I, <laughs> I um. I started, actually, I come from, it's, it's like in my DNA, honestly. My, my grandmother's sister had a beauty salon. My mother worked there. My grandmother worked there. Like, everybody worked there. Um, and so I kind of grew up around it. And I just 
I knew that I wanted to do this. I knew that I liked making people beautiful. Like I used to do all my cousins, I'm like five and six years old, and I'm combing everybody's hair. And, you know, while they're coloring and, and playing outside, I'm doing hair. Like I loved it. It just, it was a part of me. And this was also something that my mother didn't want me to do. She really, really just, she was like, no, I want you to go to college. You know, I want you to get an education. I, this is something, this is good for a hobby. This is something good to fall back on. But, you know, this isn't something that you should do. And I'm like, but I love it. And I did what she asked. I, I went to, I was like, well, let me just do community college because that will keep her quiet. And I'll, if nothing <laughs> else, I'll end up with, a, you know, at least an AA degree and I'll be fine. But I just, I couldn't. The artist in me, I couldn't sit still long enough. I just, I knew that wasn't what I wanted to do. So I knew that my goal had to be to prove her wrong, to prove her that, to prove her that this was more than a hobby, that I could make it, actually make a career out of this, and that I could, I could really make a go of it. And it was so funny because I remember, you know, when I got my um, salon, the, the, when I first opened the salon, that was back in like 1989, I think on Charles Street, and that's where I met you guys. Um, but right. I was, um, I remember her coming to the salon, and it was, like, really upscale, and, we, you know, we did a lot of things um, that, at that time, people just weren't doing as far as professionalism was concerned because the people that mentored me, um, and most of my mentors have been men. I've had a few, but most of them have been men, and they were very professional. They just they, mm-hmm. they taught me the ropes, and they made me understand because the clientele that we had, we had, like, everything from, like, you know, the hottest club, the owner of the club, his girlfriend came, you know, um, the, the wife of um, – I'm telling my, I'm really telling my age, but if you're from Baltimore, there's a club here called um, Odell's, and their saying was, you know, if you belong. And the owner's right. wife to come to the salon. Oprah Winfrey used to come to um, one of the salons that I worked in. So they kind of groomed me and showed me professionalism because you can't have that a high-end clientele and not be professional because they expect it. um, And we had, like, um, all the doctors, their wives, their children, they all the lawyers. Everybody came to, you know, the salons where I worked. So we had professionalism was something that, you know, I was groomed into. And so once my mother Mm -hmm. saw that, you know, it wasn't like, because the first salon I remember going to, the lady, I remember I couldn't even see the top of her station because she had stuff everywhere. So when I went to these other salons and they were so high-end and so professional, I knew that that's what I wanted. And I I understood why my mother didn't want me to do that because that's what she saw and that's what she knew. So um, I'm just – it was in me. I just knew I wanted to do it. Wow. I never knew your your mother and your grandmother worked in a hair salon. Yeah. But, you know, it's funny – it's funny that you talk about, like, high-end salons because I was just talking to my sister the other day. And I was telling her, I said, you know, when we were going to Profiles, I said, that salon was kind of ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. 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 Like, I felt like, I felt like nobody, and, and I'm sure there were salons out there that were, that were professional, that were, you know, they had high-end clientele, but I just felt like nobody did it like you all did at Profiles. And, you know and then also... I, that was probably the first time we saw that in a salon. Right, right. exactly. You know what I mean? 
But, I mean, even you guys, you guys were high end. I mean, I, I just I think it's so funny now when I first heard that you were in the industry, I was like, wow, because I remember when you guys were accountants and you were young and you right. were professional and it, I, I was excited. Like, I just knew that I wanted to take this to the next level. And I, I used to say to myself that when I leave this planet, I want people to know that I was here, not for what you would think, like notoriety or anything like that, but I wanted to make an impression in the industry that I love so much. Like I knew I had to make it look different, made the I needed to make people feel different about it. Like my mother, you know, she 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 kinda looked down on it even though she was a part of it, but that's because she didn't know that it could be professional. We you know, she didn't know what to look for or the directions that I was gonna take it. So yeah. I made a prayer. Right. Nice. No, I think it, so. It's, oh my God! It's, it's so much. It's so much that I want to talk about because just in your introduction, you said a lot, and you know, talking about professionalism and and um, you know, the salons that you worked in, you know, you saw you saw um, high end clients coming in and professionalism, and mm-hmm. I feel like having that experience has probably helped you all across the board because you know, you've been you know a salon owner. You know, you're an educator. Right. You've also been a personal stylist um, right. and a traveling artist artist for a brand. Um, yeah. And, you know, and then coming up, having that experience with you, you know, whether you worked with high-end clients or you, you saw them in the salons that you worked in, because I know that right. if, you, if they were in the salon that you worked in, then, then there was a, a certain kind of atmosphere that you were working right. in. Tell us a little bit about, you know, a hairstylist, um, some qualities of a hairstylist, you know, like how they, you know, how they should prepare themselves for their job. Um, Because I want to get into the salon atmosphere a little bit in a little bit, but what are some of the qualities of a great hairstylist, a professional hairstylist working in – salon similar to the salons that you came up in? Okay. Um, I think the the thing that people think is most important is your skill. And not that it's not, Mm -hmm. because skill is definitely important. But I think this is just for me personally, customer service. It's like you cannot... Mm -hmm. My, at the time, I tried to, and I, I had to learn this lesson like the hard way from, you know, doing it the way everybody else did it, you know, do, having 20 people scheduled, you know, at the same time, and then they get there, and they're all looking at you crazy like, you know, I, I had to learn it the hard way. Like I, I took um, – I, I needed to be different because I didn't like the way that made me feel, and I always try to put myself in place of a client or a guest in the salon, when, what experience would I like to have? And it's all about the experience because people don't understand that. It's about creating an experience. So for a stylist just coming into the industry, how would they prepare? I would say definitely go to school. That's the first thing. Once you finish school, classes, continuing education, you have to do it. There's no way. I am. Been, I got 40 years in the game, and I, this year already I've probably taken like three or four classes already. For people who think that they oh, shouldn't, wow. you know, once you get your license, that's the end of it. Let me tell you, that's only the beginning. 
it's only the beginning. This industry is, is constantly changing. And you know how they say the more things change, the more they stay the same. It is changing. But then when we go back to if we don't start with the very basics, like I'm an educator at, um, at a, a beauty school now, and it's just so funny because the students want to just jump in right away. They want to be famous. They want to be, they, well, not even fabulous. They want to be famous. They want to do celebrities. <laughs> they want to make a name for themselves. They want that, you know, microwave instant. I want to be, I want to be big, but they don't want to pay their dues. Pay, you got to do it. I don't care how it comes. You have got to pay your dues, and paying your dues is preparing yourself, making sure that you complete your education, and when you go to school, listen. Don't don't right. Because so many times students want to tell me what they know, and I'm like, you're spending between twenty two and twenty six thousand dollars to tell me what you know. How about you right. want to know how to do it the right way? Like, whatever you've been doing, obviously for you that wasn't enough or something went wrong or right. you know that that's not right. So that's why you decided to come to school. So be humble. Um, I would definitely say, um, you know, finish school, be humble. When, when, with whoever your instructors, and sometimes we have to, you know how they say, eat the meat and spit out the bones, take in the information and, and decide what works for you and and just do what you know you need to do. It's just it's not hard. And as a stylist, like sometimes knowing when to keep your mouth shut. Like I, right. know, I always laugh and, and tell my students that I know where all the bodies of my my clients. I know where the bodies are buried. I know when they're pregnant before their <laughs> husband does. I know when they're getting a divorce before their husbands know. I know I have so much information. But with that information, I have to keep it to myself because the other right. thing that people think is that a salon uh, is a hub for gossip, and I refuse right. to let that be a part of where I worked or what I owned because I, I had it happened to me. You know, people talked about me, and I just I didn't like the way that made me feel. So I was determined when I opened my salon, I was not going to have it. We, we were not – that was something we weren't going to entertain. And – I'd like to think I was successful at that. So, yeah. Did I answer the question? Yes, you did. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I could go on and on. I, I just love this. So, yeah. <laughs> yes, you did. Um, I was thinking about, you know, we were talking about Profiles Hair Studio, and when we first mm-hmm. met you, you, you had a smaller uh, salon, not many mm-hmm. stylists at all, but – Mm-hmm. Then you moved across the street, up the street a little, uh-huh. in a bigger salon. Yeah. And I was always so amazed at how um, you managed a staff, you know, of all of these women. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you had... Um, not it wasn't quite like a uniform, but everybody had to wear black. Um, mm-hmm. now, you know, and, and I'm saying this because I've never I've never experienced that before. Like my sister and I have been going to a hairstylist since we were extremely young, and I've mm-hmm. never experienced that or seen that in a salon before until Profiles. So okay. I was very impressed, you know. I was very impressed with that salon and all that you all had going on and mm-hmm. how your, your, the staff, even when you did things like outside, I remember like at the sisters only, um, 
mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. things that you may have done outside how, you know, the the stylists were always, it seemed to me like they were always supportive of what you all did. And I just want to know how did, how do you, how did you manage to, because at one point you had a, a lot of stylists. How did you all manage? Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes stylists come in and they get thinking, you know, this is my chair, these are my clients. It's almost like they may have their own agenda, but, you know, but then they have to fit into what you're trying to do with your business. Right. How did you also also And you also managed to keep up. No, she was saying, she was, I cut her off. I'm sorry. She was asking, how did you, how did you manage all that? But then I wanted to add, and how did you manage to, to keep a lot of the same stylists for a long time? Yeah. Uh, so let me just say this. It was the initially, like the first salon, 2112, I had four chairs. And it was the hardest thing to keep all four chairs filled. Like it was just, um, it, was, it was really, really hard. And partly because I, again, my mother's in the back of my head about professionalism. So I had, um, I didn't, at that time, there was no such thing for me as um, independent contractors or booth renters. I had commissioned stylists. So that meant that we had an opening time and a closing time, and you had to be in the salon pretty much all day. Like, you were commissioned to be there. So when clients came, you were there to service clients. And it was hard because this was when people were just starting to, you know, rent a booth. And, and so they didn't want the structure. They didn't want the rules and they didn't want the regulations, but that's what I came from. And I, I, I liked the way it looked. I liked the fact that I got to have paid vacations and that I knew I was going to have a regular paycheck. I, I liked that. And I liked the way I was able to learn from the people that I um, that I worked with or worked for. And so I had to create a structure and also a salon experience for the people who worked there, as well as the clients that, or the guests that came in for services. So it was important because I knew that we were going places. Like I knew, I knew what I wanted to do. And I, I'm, you know, sometimes I'm an artist, so I can be scatterbrained at times. So, you know, but I, I had to, I, there was a certain, there were certain boundaries that I knew that I could not allow them to go out of. So honestly, moving up the street, and I don't even know what made us think at the time, because at the time it was, it was me and, and my husband who owned the business. I don't even made us what made us think that we could go from a four-chair salon that we could, at most, we had three people, and I was one of the three. Um, I don't know what made us think we could go from, uh, I think the first salon was like 700 square feet, and we went from a 700-square-foot place that we were renting to a, I want to say 2441 was probably to like 3,400, 3,800 3, 4, 3, square feet. Like, what crazy person does that? You can even keep four people, and now you're <laughs> Like, who does that? So it was, but, for us, it was an investment. Go ahead. You were going to say something. But, but you know, I think, I think you created an experience, not just for the client, but you know, for your stylist. I mean, right. you know, you had you had your area where, you know, where you they did nails. You had a, the space downstairs where it was like the waiting area, you know, with the big mm-hmm. screen TV. Like who wouldn't want to experience that as a client? 
Like I think right. I felt like, you know, whenever I, I came to that salon, I didn't care how long I was going to be there. It was, you know, it was entertainment for me on whatever level, you know what I mean? Right, 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 right. Well, and so, no, 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 I was just going to say, I think, I think, um, and even like from the stylist, I could only imagine uh, for the ones who were there for so long, I, they probably appreciated the structure. They probably, um, because the thing is, you did have a certain clientele coming in there. And, you know, right. you never you never know who was going to get who in their chair. Because I remember when we first started coming to your salon, we were going to a particular stylist. I don't even remember her name. That's so sad. But we were mm-hmm. going to a particular stylist. And then she eventually left. And so mm-hmm. then at that point, I was thinking, oh, man, you know, she left. So now we have to leave this nice salon because then mm-hmm. she started doing hair out of her out of some other salon that wasn't so nice, and then mm-hmm. she was doing hair out of her house, and then mm-hmm. finally I was just like, okay, forget this. We came back to your salon, <laughs> and so right. then we started going to a different stylist. Well, then that stylist mm-hmm. left and started her own salon, but then mm-hmm. it was at that point where the level of professionalism wasn't the same because we right. would have like five thirty appointments. You know, we would leave work, go to the appointment. And then mm-hmm. it was like you would get your hair shampooed, and then you would sit there for two hours waiting uh-huh. for everything else to happen. And it was uh-huh. like, but then we we would close the salon down at midnight. Like, I'm a working woman. I don't have time to sit until a salon from 530 to midnight. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> so it's like, exactly. after doing that for a while, because you, you, you stay there because it's like, okay, I like the stylist. I like what she does, whatever. But then after a while, enough is enough. And so right. that's when I... Right. I never forget getting on the phone calling you like, uh, Lisa, <laughs> I need to make two appointments. <laughs> I, I just and that was that. You guys were like so cool, but okay. So the whole wearing black thing, people are like, oh my gosh, she just wants to control us. You know what that was? I wanted everybody to pretty much have a uniformed look. It wasn't about yep. control. It was about uniformity. And if we all looked alike and we did the same thing, like I did classes, for, I taught them. Because everybody who worked for me in the first salon, they were just out of school. So, and my salon was in some cases, I think like their first actual salon experience. So I, I needed to make sure that you could sit in anybody's chair and be comfortable. So it wasn't about, you know, just being controlled. It was more about having structure and that everybody did the same thing. We all spoke the same language so you could feel comfortable sitting in anyone's chair. When we moved up the street to the larger location, it was like, okay, we're all in. Like we were invested in, in this, in this industry, we were going to make this work. And so God is so good because what ended up happening where we went from not being able to keep four chairs filled at the same, almost like within a matter of weeks, because now we bought this building, right? We bought this mm-hmm. building and we're like, oh my God, we have a, we now, it's not rent. We have a mortgage to pay. How are we going to make this work? And we couldn't even keep four ch- chairs filled. But at the same time we were opening there was a salon up the street that I worked in just before I opened my salon while I was waiting for the first salon to get finished because we, you know, we had to do the build out. We did everything. I think it was like a music store or something before we got there. And guess what? It's a music store again. But anyway, we, while we were waiting <laughs> to um, complete the build out, 
we um I worked in this particular salon. So it's another thing is it's about it's about establishing relationships and your reputation. Right. Like people don't really worry about that too much anymore. My integrity was at stake, so I made sure that while I was waiting for my salon to open, that I did business with the salon owner and the people that worked in that salon in such a way that when I moved up the street and their salon was closing, they had no problem coming over. So I gained, right. like, um, it, the whole salon closed. So I probably got, like, um, maybe six stylists at one time. Oh, wow. And, and Yeah, like, the salon grew faster than we could grow. Like, it really did. Because what happened was when we bought the building, we bought it and we figured it was a brownstone. So we were going to mm-hmm. renovate it and have tenants move in on the two top floors, and then we would use the money from the rent that we were collecting from them and to be able to complete the salon. Well, that worked for a little while, and people weren't, pay, weren't paying their rent, and we had to – I became a landlord, and now I have to put people out. It was just crazy. So God <laughs> bless us. That before, like when the salon, about maybe, I'll say about maybe a month after we were in the salon, that other salon closed and all those stylists that I had worked with and established a great relationship with, they felt very comfortable coming down and working for me in my salon. And, and that, that's what started the ball rolling. And they nice. were able to just transition into my way of doing things because I always wanted this to be exciting. I knew there was more to the beauty industry than just going to work and standing behind a chair every day because the people that I had worked for, they started taking me to, they took me to trade shows. They were educators. They introduced me to the, to the, to the business in like such a fabulous way. Like they set the bar really high. And I did the same thing for the people that worked with me to the point that when we finally closed the salon because we sold the building, I basically had to kick them out. Like, they really did not want to leave. I didn't even want to tell them when I um, had put the building up for sale. I wouldn't even let the um, realtor put a for sale sign up because I didn't, I didn't want them to be upset. And I, I actually went and looked for salons for them to go to that I thought would be a good fit so that when mm-hmm. they left it would be you know pretty much an easy transition for them it was it was crazy but i love it wow yeah wow <laughs> wow and how long were you, how long were you a salon owner um about 25 years yeah about wow. 25 years oh wait 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 um no cuz then i moved after i left charles street I went to Fleet Street, and I was at Fleet Street. So almost 30 years, I can, yeah, almost 30. So a good part of my career, I, I've been a, I was a salon owner. Wow. Yep. Well, one so thing I can definitely say about. I was going to say, at what point did you say, okay, um, enough is enough as far as owning a salon is concerned? Okay, so um, like I said, we sold the building, and I and my life changed. I ended up getting a divorce, and things went a little crazy for for a little while. And so I, I kind of had to step back. Um, and then I'm like, I, I missed it. So I, I think I was out of the salon ownership business for probably uh, maybe about a year, maybe not quite a year. And I missed it. I was working with, um, actually, I was working with someone 
who used to work for me. She used to shampoo for me. Um, and she had opened a salon um, in the outskirts of the city. And so I decided to go and work with her. I was like, you know what? I didn't want to own anything. I didn't want to own a building. I didn't want to own anything. I just wanted to be free. I just wanted to be able to come to work and work like everybody else and go home, not have to worry about towels or trash or who was cleaning the salon or who was staying late. I didn't want to have to worry about any of that. So I went and worked with her for about maybe a little less than a year, and then I, I, I started getting the itch. I missed it. I was like, I, I need it. Like, I, I do. I, I miss it. And so um, my very, very, very good girlfriend was opening a salon on um, – on Monument Street, Monument and Howard, and I was like, I need it. I, I went there one day when she was uh, moving her furniture and stuff in, and I was like, uh-uh, I, I got to get one. I, I need to go back to this. So I, I went looking, and I'm telling you, I, I saw, I rode by it one day, rode by the space one day, and I, I was like, this is it. And I was at the salon working and my husband at the time um my husband ended up going to look at the space and he fell in love with it so we met with the owner of the building and with that all took probably about two weeks for the whole process and I was out of her salon and, and back into my own salon like that quickly it, it was uh-huh. it was crazy I, I did miss it but then so and I was probably there um in Fells Point probably for about four or five years maybe. And Mm -hmm. then I realized because that salon was, it was really cute. So it was like a a boutique salon and the, 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 the demographic was definitely different. I had a whole new group of people that I opened my business up to and I opened myself up to, and it, it was just, I liked it, but at the same time it was small. So the other blessing was I started working with, um, an R&B star. And so now I only have two chairs and I'm the only person who's working in the salon. And so now working with, uh, I'm now I'm a celebrity stylist and I'm out of the salon a lot. Well, if I'm out of the salon, guess what's not happening? Nobody, the salon's not making any money. And for people always think, oh my God, I'm just going to work for a celebrity and this is just going to be great. And it's not always great. Like the part that people don't tell you is the, when you do something for, you know, a network or a record label. And now when you're used to getting paid every day and you have to wait sometimes three to six months for a check, because they need to decide, well, is the label going to pay you? Is the artist supposed to pay you? Right. And in the meantime, you're sitting there like, okay, I'm not making any money. I got to, you know, right. so that kind of, I, I didn't want to manage a large group of people. So the boutique salon worked. It was private. It was great. My clients loved it, but it didn't do, it didn't work for me. So I'm like, you know what? Mm-hmm. Nope, I can't do this anymore. So I stopped, I, I closed the salon and ended up going and working in the, um, working for someone else again. So, mm. but yeah, that, that being a celebrity stylist, I think if it had happened when I was like in my twenties, instead of in my like late thirties, early forties, I probably would have liked it a lot better, but that just, it's, it, it can be glamorous but it can also be very 
taxing to your body, to your mental, to your because a lot of these artists, this is new money for them. And they don't know, you know, protocol. They don't know how to treat people. They think that you should work, be excited to work for them because you can hashtag I do whoever and hashtag right. I'm not paying my bills. That, that's not, I can't put a hashtag in the bank. I can't do that. Right. So, you know, a lot of them don't. I've had an artist tell me, you know, you fly me. You, I leave the salon on Saturday in the mid, you know, middle of my, my, my peak. I leave because she's having an emergency. She has a show tonight, and she doesn't have anybody to do her hair. I fly there, and I'm like, look, I'm going to come, but this is this is what I require. So in order for me to, to come, I need you to promise. Her management called me. They were like, yes, you're going to get it. Don't worry about it. I got you. And then I get there, and the tour starts, and now everybody is scattering, and you forgot you told me you were going to give me this money. So now you're telling me I'm dealing with management on the phone, but now when I get to the the um to the to to the stylist or to the artist, you're telling me I have to ask the artist for for my money? What? No, that's not what we agreed on. So I was just like I was upset, and it just like I said, it didn't go the way that I wanted it to go, and it was just. It was just a lot to do, and sometimes it went well. It was rewarding, and it it was fun, and it was. But I think it would have been more fun if I was in my twenties. But I will say, in my twenties, I probably wouldn't have been as responsible. I probably would not have made like all the best decisions. You know, I don't want to party with you. I want to do your hair, and I want to go back to my room, to the tour bus, wherever I'm going. I don't I don't need to hang out. And so sometimes people don't know when to. They they cross the line. I don't have to be your friend. I'm employed by you. I don't have to hang out. I don't want to hang out. I want to I want to keep that separate. You know what I mean? So it's just being older. I think it it was a blessing and a curse at the same time. So yeah, it, you know that's that's kind of the downfall of some artists who when they start um, you know being a personal whether it's a hairstylist or makeup artist for certain celebrities. That's, mm-hmm. that's the one thing that they mess up and they get confused is they think that they can be their friends. Yeah. And you see it all the time. It never yeah. works out. It, it never works. It doesn't. It does, because that, then the, more, the closer you get, then they are thinking, I really don't have to pay you because you're my friend, right? We just, we just kick it. Absolutely. You know, this, this Absolutely. We're we not just kicking they start, it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So they start to they start to think that they don't have to pay you, and then they also start to think to themselves, "Wow, she's, you know, they're getting a little too comfortable." Because you do, you do start to get comfortable. Right, right. And you know what's so funny? Now I've worked with older artists as well, and I had like no problem when it came to getting paid, when it came to the professionalism. They didn't cross the line. I didn't cross the line. It was a job. We both understood that, and it was great. So I've I've had it, you know, I've had it both ways. And the other thing that people, like, like as far as getting comfortable, you kind of have to be invisible. You know, you can't be in the middle of everything that's going on. You need to be invisible because that's right. you want to, in that, in that dressing room when you're doing hair and or, or applying makeup, you're going to hear some things. You're going to see some things that are very personal. And you can't be flicking it up, posting everything. Put it, you can't because you have to respect the privacy of the artist, you know. So it's like people, again, there probably should be a training for you know how to be a celebrity, um, a, a celebrity stylist, 
because it, or Absolutely. a celebrity makeup artist because there are definitely some things that you should do as well as there's some things that you should not do. I will say this. I would, if I were to do this all over again, I would do it through an agency because I, the artist that I worked with, she had me and she also had another stylist that was working with her and the other stylist was with an agency. So some of the struggles that mm-hmm. I had, she didn't have that. Like her money. Right. Like, so if, I, if you're in the studio, I'm not doing your hair, but I'm in L.A. I, I live in, in Maryland. So if I'm in L.A. with you and you're in the studio and I'm not doing your hair, I'm just sitting in a hotel for like three or four days at a time. I still need to be paid because I can't go and make money because I'm with you. That's right. So that's right. Stuff like that, I would eventually, it, I got paid, but it just took longer than I wanted it to. And so I, I learned a valuable lesson. And now when I, I, I like to, um, when I talk to younger stylists, and try to, you know, mentor them and tell them, you know, these are some things you should look for. You should get with an agency. You, these are some things that you should do, you know, and just don't go out here and, and expose yourself thinking that you know because you, you right. some things you don't know as much as you think you know. Right. And sometimes I think, sometimes I think you can have more fun and you can be more creative just working um, outside of that whole celebrity atmosphere yeah I, I i totally agree i totally agree like i said it was fun uh, and I'm, I'm glad i had the experience i'm definitely glad i had the experience but that's not something and, and when i like now when i'm talking to my students about it they're like oh my goodness you did this you did that you did yeah but let me tell you that i i always give them the, the upside and the downside to it like there it's a twofold situation you you and you need to know all of it and then make the decision if that's something that you want to do like i've done a lot of stuff for free not just for celebrities but just being in the industry trying to get known or trying to you know i you know like working for fashion week and and doing stuff because i wanted to have that experience and so when I'm talking to them, they're like, oh, Miss Lisa, I wouldn't do anything for free. Oh, okay. That means you might not work sometime, and you might not get that big break that you need because you weren't willing to, you know, volunteer right. or, or, or do something, you know, for, for no pay because you knew that the bigger, the bigger blessing was coming, and, and they just don't see it that way. Right. Well, you know, and it's like that free job is something that you can put on your resume. That free job, exactly. they, you know – help you to meet somebody who gets you to the next paid job. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and how you act when you're on that free job, because you need to yep. treat it like you're getting paid a million dollars. You need to That's right. be on time. You need your, your behavior, your integrity is, is at stake. So there are some things that you, you need, you can't just act like, Oh, I'm doing them a favor. Nope. You got to act like you are getting paid top dollar because that's what people will remember. You know, they, they will remember how professional you were or how professional you weren't as well. So it, it's important. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Now, Lisa, you're an educator as well. Um, mm-hmm. Talk a little bit. Talk, tell us a little bit about um, L. Parker Academy and what are some of the, the classes that you offer? Okay. So I do two things. I work as uh, – I also work with a corporate school. 
Um, and I also, and then I have my own thing that I do. So the reason that I, I do what I do the way that I do it, the one thing that I wanted to do was to influence or have some influence on the future beauty professionals. For all the reasons, everything that I've talked about to this point is why I'm an instructor at a school because I need them to know this is the best job or not best job, the best career you will ever have. It's fun. It's exciting. You know, I always tell them anytime you open up a magazine or anytime you, you know, go to the movies or watch TV, somebody had to do the hair, somebody had to do the makeup. And there are bo- I have boxes on the shelves from, you know, hair color and relaxer and, and different products that, you know, your name isn't on it, but I know that I did this work. So I like to introduce them and to, to let them know what's available as far as the beauty industry is concerned. So that is like, for me, that is right now my focus. God has blessed me to do a lot. I mean, there are not a whole lot of things in this industry that somebody could name that I haven't done as far as, you know, celebrities and and movie sets and and plays and music videos and and, and education and traveled all over the world for as um, an educator for a brand and I've done a lot, and I know he didn't allow me to do all of this just for me to, you know, me to talk to people like you about it. It is to influence the next generation and of, of, of beauty professionals and to help mold and groom and shape them into being beauty professionals. And then I started the L. Parker Academy. So when I started L. Parker Academy, I wanted to – my goal was to be like a – um, the black version of Tabitha's salon takeovers. And the reason for that is <laughs> everything that we talked about in my salons, like what happened in my salons, the way that they looked, the way that the people, um, the stylists dealt with the guests. And, and I wanted to share that because I saw so many people who just don't get it. There are so many people who don't know that professional, how, why it's important to be professional and, and what you should look like. People still laugh at me now, like when I tell them that my stylist, you guys know they had to wear heels and makeup every day. I sold makeup in the salon. So everybody, they had to look the part. Like I don't understand. When I go to school in the morning and I look at some of those girls, I'm like, wow, you just rolled out of bed and, and came here. You just showed up. Like you put no effort into your look. But it's the beauty industry. People expect us to be beautiful. We're trendsetters. They're looking to us for the latest fashion. I mean, we create the fat, the looks that the celebrities wear. We create that. And so if we, when do you start? And I always tell them, they're like, well, you know, Ms. Lisa, it's just school. School is all the time. It can't be just school. It has to be all the time. You have to be on and ready all the time. You should never not look the part. Because you are your billboard. You are your business card. You, that's who you are. So if you're not looking, you don't wear makeup and your hair is not, I mean, believe it or not, people come to school and their hair is not even combed. And I'm, they, I think as I've gotten older, I don't, I have no filter. So I, sometimes I'll say something out of my mouth and I'm like, oh, my gosh, did I just say that? But I'm like, you actually <laughs> Walked in here and you didn't think that you needed to comb your hair? Really? And I know people are like, oh, I have inner beauty. I don't need makeup. Mm, my, um, my, uh, one of my friends said, um, what did he say? Um, no man wants a car that doesn't have paint on it. I'm sorry. Right. So 
I mean, and being makeup artists, you guys know, like, the, the, the hardest makeup probably to do is that clean face, that face that looks like it didn't have much makeup on it, right? But it enhances the natural beauty of the person. Not that you right. – and sometimes you do need it to cover flaws. Sometimes you do. Not always, though, but it's like looking the part. So I wanted to influence – future beauty professionals, and then I wanted to take the experiences that I've had over the years with the great salons and the great mentors that I've worked with and the great experiences that I've had because I see that there's a lack. Something is definitely missing in the industry these days, and I wanted to guide, direct, and help people to try to, you know, regain what I feel is missing or what has been lost. Absolutely. I think excuse me, that um, listening to, you know, listening to you talk tonight and, you know, some of the experiences that, you, that you've had, and like you say, you'll be able to, you, you're able to talk to your students and kind of share all across the board. You've experienced a lot. Right. Is there one thing, one thing in this industry that, you think that you may possibly haven't done that you would like to do? You know what? No. I I cannot mm. think of one thing, to be honest. I have had, and, and still have, it's not over, I'm still having such a great career that I feel like it is my duty to make sure that the next generation has similar experiences that the next generation understands that this is possible, that you can make a good living, not just a great living, like, and I'm I'm not talking about, like, the Instagram famous. I'm not talking about that. I mean a legitimate, you know, where you, you paid your dues, you worked hard, and you were able to make this beauty industry work for you and, and influence people. Like, I can, I honestly cannot. Because, I, like I said, I've done a lot. Like, it's a lot. I don't, at this, at my age, I think I'm not, I don't, I, I don't want for anything. I, I don't. I don't think that I miss anything. I think everything that God intended for me to have, because he allowed me to reach really far and, and do a lot and have a lot. Um, but I would say this to, um, to future beauty professionals. I, and even when, I, when we're talking, when I'm talking to them about hair design or hair cutting, my thing for them is, all, is always start with the end in mind. So for them now, while they're fresh and young and, you know, they believe they're going to be young forever and life is going to last forever, I, I, I'm talking to them different. My conversation is different. It's like preparing for the future, you know, retirement plans and, and, and making sure that you are, as you get older, that you take care of your body. So I make sure that when I'm teaching them and I'm showing them, you know, it's all about your posture. And it's like I incorporate all those things into my teaching because that is a part of, what um that's a part of your that will be a part of your longevity like i've been in this industry 40 years and in 40 years i don't feel bad i i don't have any ailments i don't my my you know every now and then i might have a backache but i don't have carpal tunnel i don't have bad knees i don't i don't have any of that 
And it's because I, I did take good care of myself. And so as I'm going into, you know, winding down, I probably figured I have maybe – Ten more good years that I wanna that I wanna do this, and even after after that ten, as far as like standing behind the chair, and even though I don't do that every day, what I do know is that I would not feel like I had ten more good years had I not, you know, taken care of myself and and done the thing, did the things that I knew that I needed to do to, to do to prepare for the future. Right, absolutely. And is there anything about crazy, right that? Oh no, it doesn't. Okay, because I, I like I said, about, I have been so blessed. Sounds like it <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah. sounds like it. <laughs> um, is there anything about the beauty industry in general that you would change? Would like to see change? Okay, so when it comes to school. The thing that I dislike the most is the screening process. And when I say that, because I am so passionate about this, I want students to fall in love with the beauty industry like I have. And the thing that I probably would change, I think I'd make the screening process I would change it, and I know because of government funding and stuff like that, like you can't, I'm not going to say discriminate, but you can't. Like I know when I talk to someone, I know whether or not this is really your passion. And if it's not your passion, like I've been known to tell a student, you know what, this is not for you. You should quit. And people are like, oh, my God, Miss Lisa, I don't believe you said that. But I know it's not for you, and you're not going to do anything with it. So what you're doing is you're 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 going you're creating a bill that, in the long run, will do nothing for you. It will not give you anything because you're not going to be in the industry. You're not going to do hair. So in not doing hair, why are you doing this? Why are you creating this bill for yourself that's not going to go anywhere, that you're not going to do anything with? So I would like to be able to screen students, students, people coming into the industry. I'd really like to have a better or different screening process so that um, I could, um, they, I would make sure that the people that are in it are in it to stay and that they are creating, um, that they are creating, a, a, a career with longevity. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What are, what's what's yeah. some of the feedback that you get from the students when you when you you know when you share this kind of stuff with them? There 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 are those that are excited, um, but then there are also those that are like, "Wow, okay, I think I I shouldn't do this." Like, I, I should probably, uh-huh. yeah, like, I have a student who is, um, every time I would talk to her about what, about this being, she kept saying this was her passion, this was her passion, to the point that I made a joke about it, like, because it's really not your passion. But you know what her passion was? When I listened to her, I heard her, um, every time she talked about, um, Baking, her eyes lit up. And I'm like, when I we, when we would talk about hair, then her eyes wouldn't light up. And I'm like, okay, this is your passion. You quit. Don't spend 
find another job mm-hmm. going to school here. You need to be baking. Okay, this is so rude. I have to tell you what's going on. My phone is blowing up. So you guys came to profile, and you know that Anita Baker was like, she played in the salon all day, every day. So there, or the or BET Awards are on, and everybody's like, turn on TV, turn on the TV, because they want right, to right. see it, Anita Baker. <laughs> so I'm like, go crazy, like, what, what is going on? But they, they, they're doing a tribute to her, and they know that she is, like, my all-time favorite R&B artist. So, okay, well, I'm done. Hey, well, look, well, you okay, know it's so going to come back on as soon as it goes off. Exactly. Well, <laughs> I'm not worried. I'm well, not worried. speaking of speaking of Anita Baker, um, what would you do, do different to her hair, or, or would you? Are you? Do you? Are you? You know? Do you like what she's got going on with her hair right about now? I do not. I, I do not. No, me either. I, I, you, know, I, you know what? I was wondering where that question came from. No, I'm, I, you're watching too, right? See, uh huh. Yeah, it's um, on. Yeah, I um, her hair was like her signature, and it was always, right. it was blow-dried, so pretty, and it was so fluffy and bouncy, and, and then I even had that Anita Baker haircut that, that with the bangs, and I had that, and everybody used to tell me I looked like mm-hmm. Anita Baker, and I would play the music, and it, it was just, and I, I don't know, it's like, whoever's doing her, she doesn't have that polish, that, that finish that she used to have. Right. And I, you know, with menopause and everything, I understand perspiration and all of that. That's why I had to cut my hair off. I had to let it go. Like I, I couldn't do it anymore. That <laughs> I just, I couldn't. But she, that's, I, I would love to have the opportunity to to do her hair and take her back to where I know she needs to be. Yeah, yeah. It's just there right yeah. now. It's not doing anything. Yeah, and I, I just, I did glance at it. The, I like the color. The color is pretty, but it has no shape. She needs a haircut. That's Mm-mm. what she needs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. A good old haircut. <laughs> yeah. Lisa, tell me quickly, what are your thoughts on social media? You know, it, it. you know, back in the MySpace days, I would have never thought that social media would be like it is today. What, what's your thoughts, just your basic thoughts on social media and, and its effects? you know, on the beauty industry? I, I think it is a blessing, and it is also a curse. It's a blessing in that the world can see your gift and your talent. It's also a curse because people take advantage of the industry. They exploit it. There are so many social media sensations that are not licensed to do what they do, and it's just like I, I just – it it just makes me sick. Like it really does. Like you're not you this you've taken this 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 art form and you've turned it into you basically are pimping it. And I, I just it just it makes me really unhappy. Um, but at the same time, if you are legit and if you are doing what you're supposed to do, then the world gets to see your gift. So. Um, like I said, it's it's a blessing and a curse. Um, and I get so upset when I see those excuse me, social media sensations because it's like they, people only see part of the story. They don't tell you, you know, mm-hmm. about the blood, the sweat, and the tears. They only give you the fabulous. And I, I, I will say I'm guilty of, like, posting stuff, and, and, and then you get excited, you get upset when people don't respond to it the way that you think that they should. But it's also good for, like, um, a friend of mine, 
um, we were doing a series of classes because we decided that we wanted to take the industry back in a way that um, to give, to help people through the different stages of the industry. So we did, we didn't do, and it was not like haircutting or coloring classes or anything that like that. It was all about the beauty of business. And, you know, we had some people from New York Life come in and talk about um, retirement plans and, and life insurance. And we had a, um, an accountant come in and talk to people about, you know, doing their taxes. And, and we just, we talked about, the business of beauty because the fun part, the exciting part, the, you know, the glamorous part, but then there's also that business side and not every, because we are artists, not all artists are good business people. Like people open salons every day that have no business being salon owners. But somebody said, because it, happened, it used to happen to me all the time, somebody said, girl, you are so good. You don't need to be working in here for this so-and-so or working for this person or you need to get your own suite or you need to open your own salon and you have no clue about how to run a business. Like you don't and you need to know that. So, um, it, yeah, I just, I, I think, Social media, it was good for, like, with that. So we, we did, um, we put the classes on there. We um, we posted flyers, and, and it was like people, but they weren't. And the reason that they weren't was because it wasn't about, you know, do this, this exciting color and how, learn how to balayage. And it wasn't that. It was the real, the real, real about what's going to happen if you get sued. Because we had an attorney come in. We, nobody wants to talk about that, though. You can get sued because right. you burned somebody or you made somebody, you, you braided their hair too tight. Now they have no edges or, you know, you didn't do use proper um, sanitation sterilization when you were doing nails or you didn't clean your brushes properly. And now they have, you know, their skin broke out. They have a fungus, whatever. Nobody wants to deal with that part. But that's all a part of the, it's the, the business of beauty. Like that, that goes along with it. So um, it was a blessing that we were able to, post and, 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 you know, take advantage of what social media has to offer. But um, unfortunately, people didn't respond because they don't want that. They, they you know, they want the, 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 glam, the glitz and the glam. So. And you mentioned um, uh, the social media, whatever you call them, social media stars, um, some not being licensed to do what they do. Uh-huh. Speaking of licensing, a lot of your speaking speaking of licensing, are not. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Um, speaking of licensing, what do you think about this whole deregulation um, issue that's, that's, you know, a few years back they were making it like it was something they wanted to do all over the country, um, uh-huh. We're not saying that in Maryland, but um, there is, you know, a couple states out there who want to just get rid of licenses, California being yep. one um, yep. right now. What do you think about all that? It scares me because – and so this is what has happened to the industry where people – were when I came along with the you know the the Francis Johnsons and Studio 808s the Irving Dets and the which were the main attractions which were the bigger um, high end um, salons in this area there was a certain um, you knew to stay within the lot the guidelines 
of State Board. State Board, like, they were coming, and it, it was so funny. It was because we had a better sense of family and community because uh, all up and down Charles Street, if State Board went to one salon, you know what we would do? Get on the phone and start calling everybody. Look, they're in the neighborhood. If you, you know, if you got something that's going on that's not right, the hair up, whatever you need to do, you know, get on it. And we looked out for each other, and the board kept everybody straight. Like, there were certain things. Like, I prided myself on when the, whenever State Board came into my salon, my salon was always clean. I never got any violations or anything. I, all, all my people were licensed, and everybody was doing what they were supposed to do. And without that, without that regulation, without rules, without structure, I just, I'm afraid of what, what will happen. Um, and I know there are some states, like you said, California is one. And I want to say Pennsylvania, they've kind of, they, they, not completely, but they've taken some things away. And it's like, it is so important. Structure is necessary. You need regulation. Mm-hmm. You, you need somebody to govern, to look out for, not for, and for the, the stylist as well as the consumer. And I think that's the part that people don't understand. But because now all everybody is worried about is bundles of hair, how much is your sewing? You know, those I had people who come to school right. who want to learn how to just do a sewing. Like I've had students tell me, yeah, I just want to come to learn how to do do a weave. Then we don't teach that. We don't teach that. That is like so. That maybe that's a one day out of the whole curriculum. That's one day because there is so much more sanitation and sterilization. You you don't want to know right. about that. You don't want to know about the, the different diseases and what to look for if it comes to you, especially since people are keeping these weeds in for six months when you know two, maybe three is, is as long as you need to go without, like, giving your hair a good shampoo or a good cleansing, and you, you don't want somebody that's going to govern that, that's going to make sure that, you know, people are, are staying focused and, and doing what they're supposed to do. You don't want that? That just doesn't make sense to me. They've made it. We've made this look so easy that everybody believes that they can do it and that it's for them. But without structure, I, I just I I I shudder to think what would happen. Mm-mm. It will not be wow. a good thing. No, it would not. Are there any any changes in the state of Maryland that you would like to see? Or do you think Maryland is probably doing a good job with, as far as cosmetology is concerned? Um, I think they go back and forth continuously. I, I have um, a liaison that I um, call on from time to time who actually works for um, state board. And we were talking about it. We, they, last year they, they went to um, in Annapolis. They had a hearing, and we were going to have um, – um, um, C, um, CU hours, continuing education hours, CEU hours. And then they said, we don't have enough funding, we don't have enough money, so no, we're not going to do it. And they've, they've been kind of like back and forth with that. Like I said, I've been doing this for 40 years. I teach classes as well as I take classes. And I think every person, every licensed person needs continuing education. It's necessary. It is so necessary. There are people who've gotten their license and have been licensed as long as I have and have never taken a class outside of when they were in cosmetology school. 
I would love to see that that definitely be on the books, that that is something that you need to have, that you need to have continuing education. You need to stay up on what's going on in your industry. And, you know, if, if that were, I think it would, it would just help. It would help people be better stylists. It really would. Absolutely. I totally agree. Totally, totally agree. It would be the it would be the worst thing to happen for them to um, take away licensing, um, um, and like you said, not just have some kind of you know um, regulation, some kind of rules to follow. It, just, it would, exactly. standards would be very low. Standards would exactly. be very low, and it definitely I mean, don't they're low that. enough. They're low now because you don't need a license to, to braid or to, to do weaves. I mean, people come into salons and come, they're supposedly coming with their hair shampoo, but what if she didn't shampoo her hair? And now you're doing a sewing and her hair is already dirty. You didn't shampoo it because you're not licensed, so you can't shampoo it legally. Um, and now you put this, this, this you've done this sewing, you, and, and who knows when her hair will get shampooed again. And so, I mean, and we've all seen those pictures, those horror stories on, on social media, you know, where the hair is molded and it, it's, just, it's matted, and we've seen all of that. Or even on YouTube, I, YouTube drives me crazy because when my students come and tell me what they saw on YouTube, I, I don't want to know that. I, I don't want to know because, yes, there are some people on there that are doing tutorials that are very informative, but then you have people who think they know and they don't. I've seen so many tutorials that were just wrong on so many levels, and people continue to talk about what's on YouTube. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, when it's good, it's good, but when it's not good, it's really not good, and people just, they don't care. Right. What do you think the reason reason is behind it? Do you think people – do you think the different states – I remember, uh, I believe it was Missouri. I think a few years ago the state of Missouri thought that uh, it would bring money to the economy because more people – if you didn't have to have a license, then more people would want to be, for example, hairstylists. More hairstylists would open up businesses. But I was always thinking that if you didn't have to have a license, more hair, more hairstylists would be doing – Hair in the kitchen, at, or and they would, you know, in yeah. The, yeah. I don't think it would do and anything it, it, for it the economy. I was gonna. That's what exactly what I was gonna say. It doesn't help the economy, and part of the reason. So what they that what I believe was the, the part of the, the problem was is that they were saying that there were so many people that they couldn't regulate it. You know, because there are so many kitchen beauticians or basement beauticians that they could not regulate the money. They didn't know how much money people were making because, you know, they're, they're making money and they're not reporting it, so they couldn't regulate it, and that was part of the reason. They were like, we're not making money off of this anyway, so let's just do away with it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just, yeah, I, I, I don't see how it helps the economy because there are some people who are just going to do the right thing. They're going to pay taxes. I remember having a young lady tell me, like, I didn't know stylists pay taxes. Like, yeah, we we do. How do you buy a house? How do you buy a car? How do you how do you right. without you know you're you're not a taxpayer, and so um, 
I, I just don't see how it would help. And, again, we struggle with it anyway, but there are some people that are going to do the right thing, and I'd like to believe that are more, there are more of us who are, you know, willing to be licensed and, and, and have, uh, you know, a governing body to, to watch out for us in our industry. I'd like to believe there are more of us than not, but I don't know. Wow. <clears throat> It's a it's a lot to um, it's a lot to pay attention to. It is. It really is. It's a lot to and take you, in. And I, I, yeah, it is. And I always encourage uh, stylists to pay attention and know what's going on. I remember some years back when this first this issue first came up, and I would say to different hairstyles, you know, did you know about this? Nobody knew. Right. So I'm hoping, you know, um, I'm hoping people are more aware now um, and and are paying attention and get out there and actually do something. When it's when when these laws come about and it's time to vote, you know, know what's know what's being presented and and do something about it. Absolutely, absolutely, I totally agree. So Lisa, we have. Held you on the phone <laughs> all night. I've enjoyed it. Like I, you know what this is. This gives me so much pleasure. Like I love when I say I am in. I am so in love with the beauty industry, and it's like, like I said, my um, my duty. I believe because God has blessed me so richly in this industry is to share to help create experiences for future beauty professionals so that they can fall in love with it like I have and, and make a difference, like do something in that, that will that will change some things and that will just help them have their, their to really live their best beauty life. Absolutely. Absolutely. So last question, what is your definition of beauty? What is your definition of beauty? This is going to sound really weird. For me, <laughs> my definition of beauty is passion. Passion for this business. Passion for others and making sure that others are passionate about this industry. It is so rewarding and it has so much to offer. And it is so to, and I know you guys have experienced this when you've done someone's face and you turn them around to the mirror, and the, you, you tell them, like, no, 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 don't cry, just pat, just pat, because they, they, don't, they didn't know that they could look so beautiful. Or I, I've done this, you know, when I, a haircut, and, and, and you changed. I had a young lady to tell me how I changed her life because she just was so depressed, and she just wanted, she knew a new look would make her feel better. And so she came and, and we cut her hair and, and, and it was just, it was different. It, she, it made her feel, she, she even texted me back afterwards to tell me that you don't know what you did for me. But you oh, wow. only get those results from something that you are passionate about. You have to be in love with it because you can't focus on what's going on in your world. I can't focus on what I have or what I don't have or what I'm not getting or what I think I should have because my focus has to be 
on my guest or my client. I have to make sure that I make them feel as good as they possibly can feel because you don't know how that can influence them, how they can change their lives. So beauty to me is passion. If you don't have that passion, that love, that that just like I sleep and dream about haircuts and, and when when my client is walking out the door, I'm thinking about when she comes back, I'm gonna add two more highlights to frame her face. I, I never it's never ending. It's never ending. And I without passion I wouldn't I wouldn't care. I already have the money. I already she already paid me for that service. I'm not thinking about the next thing. But that passion, that love that I have, that that's what that's that's the definition of beauty for me. Nice. I love it. I love it. And Thank I can you. tell that you are very passionate about about what you do. Um I am. And that's the reason why you um are forty years strong and still going. Yep. Because the passion is still there. Yep. And like I said, that's what I wanted the L. Parker Academy to do. I wanted to, it to influence people. I want to, because people don't think they need a mentor. I, I, mm. I still have a mentor. I, I do. And I call on him. I'm like, look, I'm thinking about this. What do you think? What do you think? You, <laughs> you need that. You need that, that voice of reason to say, no, nope, that's not a good idea. Or, and somebody who's been doing it longer than you so that they can tell you what the consequences of what you're thinking about doing, what the consequences will be. And that's what I want to do. I want the, the, the reason that I even, you know, started L. Parker Academy was because I wanted to be able to help mold and shape and develop and if you're having an issue, how can I help you to get through that issue? Because it's so funny because usually when people hire me as a consultant, the first thing they want me to do is fill their salon up with people. And the process is, is a long process. And the reason that it's a long process is because I need to make sure that we're not just filling up chairs. It has to be a good fit because this is your family. Mm-hmm. You spend more time with these people that you work with than you do in most cases or in a lot of cases than you do with the actual, you know, your your biological family. So it has to be a good fit. It 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 has to, you know, you can't just put certain personalities together. So I take my time and and I help sift through, you know, who I think will work for this salon or, you know, even with my students, I'm, I'm constantly, I told one young lady, um, I said, I, you know, I think about you guys at night because I have a lot of friends in the industry and I'm always thinking about, you know, who I can match with who. And, and so she had an issue um, coming to school. She was late every day. And so she said, um, you know, Miss Lisa, where would you put me? Who, who, you know, where would you place me? And I had to be honest with her, and I told her I couldn't put you anywhere because you don't get to work on time. I mean, get to school on time. Yeah. And I said I'd be very afraid to to put you to place you anywhere because my integrity at that point is at stake. You know, because if someone is coming to me looking to hire someone, they're believing because of the reputation that I've built that I'm not going to send them just anyone. I'm going to find the right fit. So I couldn't. I told her I could not send her anywhere because she she just, you know, she doesn't get to school on time. And when I tell you from that day forward, I have not had a problem with her being late. And she went home and told her mother that. 
And her mother was the reason that she was late for school every day because her mother didn't take what she did. I'm just assuming she didn't take it serious enough to think it's just hair school. You know, it's just beauty school. You, you, you don't get there when you get there. So because her mother didn't take it serious, and when I told her that, her mother made sure, started making sure that she got to school on time. So it is, it is life-changing. It, it is, you know, because it made them both look at this in a whole new light. So it's a responsibility. But I am determined to just take it on and, and, and meet the challenges head on because I know that's where I'm, suppo- I'm supposed to be with future beauty professionals. That, that, that is right. where God wants me to be. I, I know that, and I, if I don't know anything else, I definitely know. And I, because people are like, why are you working in a school? Oh my gosh, how else are we going to change it if I, if people like me aren't willing to influence it and be there when they start? Right. Absolutely right. Yep. Well, sh- shout out where everyone can follow you on social media. Okay, so I am on Instagram at L Parker Academy. Um, I am on um, Facebook the same way. I, actually, all three social medias, I'm on there the same way, L Parker Academy. And you can also visit my website. It's Lisa Parker Academy. I'm a dot com, Lisa Parker Academy dot com. <laughs> so that's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Nice. Well, thank you so much, Lisa. I really, really appreciate it. Um, thank great you information, so much. Shan. Thank you. Are so you. welcome. Um, we're, we're definitely going to have you back on the show. Oh, good. I know. There's so many more things I wanted to ask, but I'm like, okay, I can't keep her. It's almost ten thirty. I can't keep her that much longer. So um, we'll definitely have you back on the show for sure. Um, I just love it when people are passionate about what they do. You can hear it in the yeah. conversation, and I'm yeah. sure those who are listening um, can hear it as well. And so, you know, that's that's what we're all about. So I'm I'm, I'm glad that you were able to come on tonight and share with us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I, I am just, I'm so proud of you guys. Like I said, I, I remember before you were, you know, the, the, the movie doing celebrity makeup artists that you are now, and, and you guys were accountants, and I was proud of you then because you were young and you, you were about your business, and I was just grateful to know that people like you exist. And now that you, you even with this, you you do what you do and take it to another level. So I, I'm really proud of you guys. And just keep up the good work. And I, I talk about Thank you. Like I, I send people, I send people to your pages, and I do like with my students <laughs> because I need them to know that there's like there. I know people that are successful in this. So when people talk about, well, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to work at the post office, or I'm going to drive a bus. No, 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 no. I know people that are making a living at this. Right. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. So thank you, guys. Thank you You're so welcome. much. You're welcome. So, we'll definitely be in touch. Okay. I look right. forward to hearing from you. All right. Have a great night. 
you do the same, and I'm going to wait for Anita Baker to come back around because, you know, BT, <laughs> that'll probably play it about ten more times before the week is Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. Exactly. Thank, you All right. thank you, Lisa. All right. Good night. Good night. Okay, good night. <laughs> thank you, guys. I'm going to post uh, Lisa's social media information out on Twitter. Um so for anybody who um was interested and missed it, it'll be out there. Um, thank you guys for tuning in tonight. This was a great, great show. Um, I hope some hairstylist out there was inspired. Um, you know, whether you want to be a salon owner, whether you want to be a traveling um hairstylist, so working with celebrities or working with brands. Um, I kinda hope I hope you 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 heard Lisa exactly what she was saying. You know, one of the important things I think the new stylists should take from this interview tonight is you have to do the work. Uh, she mentioned that very early on. You can't, you know, skip around that. You have to do the work. And so I think that's so important. You definitely have to study your craft. Um, and if this is not something that you're excited about, this may not be what you're supposed to do. Um, Lisa is definitely passionate about about hair, hair styling, the whole business of hair, um, and it, you know you can definitely hear it in the interview. And she has over forty years um, to show for it. So this is very it was very inspiring conversation tonight, and so I just hope everyone um, hope everyone enjoyed it. Uh, why don't you shout out where they can find us on social media? They can find us on Facebook. We are Beauty Talk Online Radio. On Twitter, we're Beauty we're Beauty underscore Talk, and on Instagram, we're Beauty underscore Talk underscore Media. And then you can follow Janice and I both by our uh, last name. Uh, for, I'm sorry, our names um, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I am Denise Tunnell. That's D E N I S E T U N N E L L. And then you can follow Janice on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. She's at Janice Tunnell, J-A-N-I-C-E-T-U-N-N-E-L-L. All right. Again, thank you guys for tuning in, um, you know, all over the world. We have listeners all over. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for your continued support. Um, Also, you know, we want to say thank you to those who will listen on the playback uh, thank you for tuning in as well on your own time. You can find us on several um, several ways that you can listen to us, and I'll post those out on Twitter as well, and then I'll also get that out on Instagram as well. So, you know, there's other ways and platforms to hear this show. So <clears throat> definitely iTunes, and I'll get their others out there as well. So thank you again. We'll be back next Sunday night with another guest, Ms. Robbie Rogers, and this conversation is going to be a little different. You don't want to miss this one um, next Sunday night. Again, we are on at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Pacific, um, and we'll be here with Rod, uh, Robbie for a very, very interesting conversation. So, again, thank you for tuning in, and have a wonderful and blessed evening, and have a beautiful and blessed week. Good night, everybody. Good night.
Beauty Talk Radio, hosted by your favorite twin celebrity makeup artists, Denise and Denise Tunnell, is celebrating 10 years, and we simply want to say thank you to all of our guests, our sponsors, and supporters who have taken the journey with us. Because of your support, we've been able to bring you conversations, beauty and skincare tips from the industry's finest, and so many more. Sam Fine, Australian makeup artist Ray Morris, James Vincent, V. Neal, Nigeria's own Lola Maja, Kevin James Bennett, Rocky Cosetti, Marietta Carter-Narcisse, Tim Bukharin, Mickey Taylor, formerly of Essence Magazine, A.J. Crimson, Michael DeVellis, Suzanne Patterson, Larry Sims, Denisa Myricks, Melissa Street, Michael Key of Makeup Artist Magazine, Camille Friend Rochard, Naja Riquette, Bernadette Thompson, and so many more. We're celebrating 10 years, and we're so excited about what's to come for Beauty Talk Radio. Millions listen live and via iTunes downloads from around the world. So we have to say thank you to our listeners in the U.S., of course, the U.K., Australia, Ghana, Russia, South Africa, Uganda. Brazil, South Korea, Ireland, Canada, Sweden, the Bahamas, and so many other parts of the world. Are you following us on social media? We're on Instagram at beauty underscore talk underscore media. We're also on Twitter at beauty underscore talk. And we can't forget about Facebook, beauty talk online. We're celebrating 10 years. We're excited about where we're going and we know you are too. How would you like to become friends with benefits? I'm sure that got your attention. I'm talking about friendsbeauty.com, now offering a benefits discount program to all of our friends. That's right. Professionals that qualify can save up to 40% and non-professional consumers up to 10% just for setting up a free account online. At Friends Beauty, we offer a huge range of products, including beauty makeup, special FX and theatrical makeup, skincare, wigs and extensions, styling tools, and more with thousands of brands at the best prices. We've been in business since 1940 and pride ourselves on ensuring our friends have the best shopping experience ever. Sign up for our Friends Discount Program and shop with us today at Friends, that's F-R-E-N-D-S, no I, beauty.com, friendsbeauty.com. We also offer studio services for production orders at 818-691-691. 1294. That's 818-691-1294. Join our program and become a friend with benefits today. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.